Uh, welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host. We're going to be talking NFL, EPL, Wallabies, AFL Draft. We're talking State of Origin, everything sport, because we love it. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Boys, welcome to another podcast. It's the Love Sport Podcast Network. We've got Pete Novikowski and we've got Super John as well. We've changed around the Supers there, Pete. I had <laughs> That's all right. We know John that John is pretty amazing, so I'm more than happy to uh, share that Super tag with you. Well, fantastic. Let's get straight into it, boys. Um, AFL trade period has gone on, I reckon, longer than the 17-week season. Um, any thoughts about trade periods in general, the AFL one, anything that's kind of stood out for you? Well, for me, <laughs> look, uh, for me personally, <laughs> I always find an interest in terms of like how the draft ends up working, looking at your picks, seeing who kind of like uh, really identifies where it's the key areas to improve because you obviously, you want to have a good balance in your squads between having, you know, your veterans who have been there, done that, your youth who can kind of be that consistent. It's all about trying to identify during this trade period uh, not only where your gaps are in every single team, but also starting to identify um, where your gaps are going to appear in two years' time, three years' time, and thinking about your cycles. So this is a really important team, uh, time of the year for every single uh, AFL team who needs to be thinking kind of long-term prospects uh, and not just kind of short-term fixes. Yeah, I, I enjoy this time of year. Um, we had Jared Har- Harborough out at the school today, and I was going to say what a lovely guy he was from the Gold Coast Suns. But, um, yeah, it's always interesting and see who comes and comes out. The Lions had a pretty good um, trade period, I think, and strengthened themselves up front. And hopefully that gives us a look at bigger title. More importantly, sometimes it's not who you gain. Sometimes it's who you don't lose. And I remember about six months ago, all the word was, oh, Harris Andrews, this, he's going, this, that and the other. And to keep a guy like that and to not have him roll into Richmond, I think is huge for our club. And that's, that's exactly where I was going to come from, John. Uh, I look at my own team and we shot, uh, signed Jack Graham and Jack Ross and Shea Bolton, all these guys that um, are under 23 years of age. Um, I think we actually won our trade period by not losing those vital players. So pretty exciting for, for us. I just think it goes too long. Um, imagine if the trade started at Friday, 12 o'clock. And it finished on Sunday night at like eight. Imagine how exciting that period would be, and how the clubs would have to really work their trades. Just a thought. You I just had, have I just to be able to like kind of that tampering like a, that goes on, or else it's a waste of time. Yeah, hundred percent. But from a fans' perspective, that, those those two or three days that would be super. Uh, viewing in radio and Good podcasts. Good gosh, we bring you on Sky globally. Sport style deadline day football antics. Uh, next thing you'll be turning up wearing a yellow tie on Sky Sports to be able to say uh, this is what's going on and what are all the deals and you'll just need Harry Redknapp mm-hmm. with his usual uh, car window down interview from the uh, training grounds. So, yeah, you know what? I, I quite enjoy uh, having that idea of the short-term uh, transfer window, being able to uh, make all your signings in that short time. But unfortunately, from like an agent's perspective, um, deals don't get done super quickly. Uh, deals really do take, no. you know, it can take days, it can take weeks, it could take months to uh, go through. So I guess it, it really comes down to, from an agent's perspective, how well teams really prepare and how well uh, teams really um, have that long-term planning of where their gaps are going to be and then identifying those targets as soon as possible. Uh, so and that makes it tough. What you've seen in the NFL is teams hesitant to give away 
um, to trade away draft picks this year um, because a lot of the times when they're trading guys, they're due to are coming to the back end of a contract. So you're only getting maybe if you're only getting like yeah. you know half a year out of them, and you've got to renegotiate, especially somebody coming off a rookie deal. Um, that's just not worth it to teams. I I think that on that note, Paul, I think that your team, the um, the Dolphins, I don't really understand what they're doing when they gave away Minka Fitzpatrick. However, things seem to be coming up roses for you. It's three years of uh, round one and two high mm. priority picks with an emerging, you know, potential quarterback and players who actually want to play at the team. So for me, I see the next few years as for the Dolphins as being really exciting. And who's who's been able to say that about the to Dolphins? To me, he's a standout, decades? though, as a guy who you could have um, built your defence around. I just watch him play at the Steelers. It's like, wow. I mean, I, I, I know the process they went through, but I don't think that – just the same, it's not a hit every time you bring someone in. I don't think it's necessarily a hit every time you let someone go. And I think you've still been in exactly the same situation you're in right now, except with a much hotter defence. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, um, we'll cover a couple other sports with the draft and the trade because I think it's really, I think, you know, sports like AFL are trying to copy American sports to a large extent as well. But what's not transparent for the layperson is the point system and the weighting and everything in the AFL um, trade. Um, so if you trade a player who's still under contract, the compensation side of it and so forth is pretty confusing for the everyday football supporter. Um, and, and I think they need to be a bit more open about how that all works. Uh, for example, you've got a player who I think could be really good at the Lions in Danaher, who's barely played a game in the last two years, but but gives gives the uh, Essendon pick six. Um, Saad, who's a halfback uh, flanker uh, from Essendon, Really good footballer, but I wouldn't have him in a top 30 or 40. And he goes at pick eight. So those kind of things, I think it's really hard for us to be able to justify some of those kind of decisions. And it makes the, the trade period pretty confusing, I reckon. Hmm. Well, that, that, don't they call them, uh, what's the term for those the, the type of free agent? He's a, he's a non, non-restricted restric- free agent. He's non-restricted and restricted. You lose yeah. that caveat yeah. if you're unrestricted, yeah. don't you? Oh, yes, you do. There you go. Yeah, you still get compensated. You, you still get compensated, but not as much. It's just, it's quite a confusing system that I, I know agents and the player managers know, but I don't think many people um, that follow football quite avidly well, know the compensation. It so it's something the team I think that's they buying the guy, like they do in every other sport. It's like, we'll give you a third round pick for that guy. Yeah, and, and look, I think uh, I think the other side of it, um, just to close this side of it out, is, is there has been some really good signings by a lot of teams, but we really don't know, do we, really? Hindsight is the aim. You know when people say, well, Brisbane's won the trade or Geelong's won the trade and they're in the window and all those cliches, We I, there's only one thing that will uh, tell you if you actually won the trade, and that's time. Very true. That, that, I suppose that's the same as anything. Um, guys, State of Origin, uh, Pete, you're from New South Wales, obviously, and uh, Johnny and I follow Queensland. Yeah, I didn't give Queensland much hope other than it's Queensland. And they uh, they got up in a pretty ordinary game one, but what a fantastic fight back. Yeah, exactly right. It's kind of that almost quintessential state of origin expectation that at some point Queensland's going to pull a rabbit out of the hat and things are going to work for them. Uh, I guess being here in New South Wales, we've grown accustomed to that over the last few seasons, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) We're kind of used to dominating for, you know, 30, 40 minutes a period of play and, and then somehow completely collapsing and expecting that Queensland's going to come back. And to be fair, that's exactly what happened in game one. Now we look forward to game two out at uh, at Homebush, I believe, and it will be an interesting fixture uh, out here. Obviously, uh, you know, New South Wales got plenty of injury issues. You've got Queensland with a few uh, question marks over there playing roster as well. So, look, that, that's kind of what we, we've grown to expect over Origin at this time of the year. John, being the uh, the avid Queensland fan, mate, where did you think they won game There one? was a real beauty so about, that, board, about that game and at half time and you know, I'm just looking up here in my man cave and I've got a I've got a framed picture autographed of the five greatest rugby league coaches of all time. And on that 
picture is Wayne Bennett and Phil Gould. And, you know, Wayne's um, yeah. star has kind of got a bit dusty in the last couple of years. But I said to um, it was Phil Gould who was the one who recognised it. Pardon me. Going to half time, he's like, he's going to get those guys in the sheds and they're going to come out and they've got a big shot at half time. He thought, you're still thinking there's no chance. But I said to everyone who wanted to listen, and I shot you a message, I'm sure, Paul, that those guys yeah. aren't going to yeah. come out of that shed without wanting to die for Wayne Bennett and Mal Meninga. And I think, I think that our podcast has got a pretty good appreciation of the quality of what quality coaching can do for any group. And, and I think that was a testament to him and the way they played and the way that they found weaknesses, almost like they, they were able to make New South Wales play Queensland's game. And Queensland didn't have many chips to play on the table. They were sitting at a card table with like, no, no. you know, a stack of chips that was maybe one or two high and New South Wales sitting there with like something looks like Manhattan. And, you know, still it never looked in doubt. I, as soon as they got on a roll, you're like, oh my God, it's going to happen. And and, and yeah. therefore it yep. didn't. I, I wouldn't count us out tonight. I, I know like last year we, we got in front, we won the first game and then, um, really should have won the second, the third game because they got in front late and then New South Wales scored a very Queensland-type try. But I've just got a funny feeling that this has got Fatty Vorton written all over it and uh, and I can see us wrapping a series up tonight. Yeah, really, really interesting. Like, uh, obviously, we don't talk about gambling or anything, but um, they, they really do have Queensland as the outsiders again. So that would be, you know, most people would be saying that they're the outsiders. And that's fair enough. But I don't think they're going to think they're outsiders. I think they're going to go into it going, we can beat these guys. And I am i cannot wait for well, this see, game, actually. You're a better position um, to be just... in than being the outsiders, the underdogs, the people that, you know, no one really expects anything of. That's exactly where Queensland want to be. Yeah. They can win the, ser- they can win the series tonight. And that's an exciting thing for Queensland is revel in that. I mean, that's really what State of Origin... Let's be realistic. It's all about. I mean, even when Queensland was dominating for eleven years, uh, rarely would have gone in as favourite in any game, no matter what they did. Um, this is nowhere near that team, but we have had teams in the past who've won, and you go, I mean, you can name players who played for Queensland. Sometimes you go, well, who was that? Adrian Brunker, you know, um, yep. or Hoff, yep. anything. But you just put the collective in that jersey, but you give them quality coaching, and you give them that that belief that you can do anything. You can do anything tonight, and it's a two-horse race. And, you know, I always like Queensland's chances in a two-horse race. We only play New South Wales, so that's it. Yeah, no, really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a really tight game. Um, I don't think it'll be a blowout at all. And, uh, yeah, just hope it's hope there's no refereeing. Um, I just hope the referees have a really good game as well. We don't often talk about them having a good game, but I hope they have a good game and enjoy the the moment and kind of don't get noticed. That would be that would be amazing. I really do. I don't feel it's the first time in many um, a year. I think and Peter, I'm sorry to cut you, but I don't feel that this year has anywhere near the kind of controversy referees wise as we've had in previous years and all through the rugby league season. No, I think I think some of the rule changes. I, I know that um, rule changes in AFL happen almost every week. I think some of the rule changes this year that the NRL implemented were actually really good. Sped the game up a little bit. Um, I just, I, I quite enjoyed the the pace of the game. Um, we, we know that scrums and everything are basically, you know, they they're never going to be back in the game again. We accepted that. Um, the holding down of players um, seems to have, you know, become a thing of the past as well. And it'll be interesting to see how that's interpreted tonight because I did think they gave them a little bit of leeway last week in 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 holding in the in the ruck and everything as well. In saying that, boys, we'll stop there for a second and we've introduced a new section last week called Keep, Cuddle. Uh, Welcome to our new section. It is Keep, Cuddle or Kick. We'll give you three options. You get to keep one of them, you get to cuddle one of them and you get to kick one of them out. Or Kick. So, Pete, you weren't with us last week. I give you three kind of topics or three people or clubs or whatever. You get to keep one of them. You have to cuddle one of them. 
and you get to kick the other one out. You can either kick them or kick them out, but you can't have more than one. So you get to keep one, cuddle one, and kick the other. So just to put you under the pump, uh, Pete, we might go with you, mate. Juve, Chelsea, well, I guess every uh, Juventus fan at the moment needs a bit of a cuddle, uh, especially with Andrea Pirlo uh, at the helm where things aren't really going to plan. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't look like the happiest footballer at the moment. Uh, neither does uh, Balo Dybala, uh, despite getting on the score sheet uh, during the week. Uh, things don't look amazing. So uh, I feel like those fans definitely need a bit of a cuddle at the moment. Uh, now, in terms of uh, keeping them, I feel like uh, this is going to be a scary one, but I'm actually going to say Chelsea. Uh, you know, they're playing some good football with the likes of uh, Mendy between the posts. He's able to keep some clean sheets. Uh, Frank Lampard's side is looking incredible when they're attacking. Akim Ziyech is just running that team as if it's like a five-a-side at the local comp. Um, and they're just <laughs> sensational to watch. And in terms of the kick... I imagine towards uh, Melbourne victory, purely based on process of elimination. And, uh, you know, watching. And who do you follow, oh, Peter? Oh, look, follow? I, I do have some rose, uh, like some uh, sky blue glasses at home. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the tints of glasses might suggest a Sydney FC uh, fan amongst the ranks. As you're kicking them, would you be trying to kick Kevin Musket first? No, good gosh. He, like, I tell you what, he's a really interesting character because off the field, Kevin Muscat is sensational. Uh, get him on the field yeah. and you, you want, like, unless he's on your team, you want him to be nowhere near him. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's an interesting character. Off the field, he is a fantastic guy. Uh, a guy who's working damn hard over in Belgium as well at the moment. Um, his side might be able to play some good football, but he's working hard to uh, solve a lot of the problems over there. So that was really I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his, uh, but I just know how everyone feels about him. It's uh, He's the sort of quintessential man. We love having that dude on our side, and, geez, yep. I hate that bloke so much. Yeah, same way with um, the likes of Bashar Barisha. You want him on your team, yeah. and you don't want to be playing against him. Yep. I'm lucky because I've had Barisha, obviously, as a Raw fan, but I've also had Danny <laughs> Tiado um, at the Raw. And he was the same. When he played for you, except for a couple of red cards, we absolutely loved him. But if he wasn't playing for us, my God, the things I would have said. John, I'm going to come to you, mate. This is about commentary here. Commentary, right? we got Brian Taylor, Gus Gould, and Shane Warne. Oh, commentating on their respective sports. Gus Gould, Brian Taylor, and Shane Moore. Okay. Um, I'm going to – and no, I know – I'm going to go back to State of Origin. I'm going to, I'm going to keep Gus because when it comes to yep. Origin and I know Queenslanders are designed to hate Gus, but the guy generally has been the only one who's really got it in that box. Um, he, he knows how the thing works. I also think – the secret behind his success as a coach is he was a great communicator. I actually, I like his explanation of stuff from rugby league. So I'm keeping him. Okay. Um, okay, we're keeping I'm, Gus. I'm going to cuddle BT um, because I think he's got a truckload of enthusiasm. Uh, I like him. He's kind of, he makes me think about growing a mullet, hanging out, drinking beer, um, <laughs> and, you know, just hassling other dudes at footy. You know, you know, going down to like park footy and stuff and just hanging out and just be, being an yep. absolute yep. flat with everyone. But at the end of the day, everyone goes, oh, I love that guy. He's cool. And he was a great player too. So he kicked 100 goals, all the rest of it. Now, that's, yes, he did. The, the, the yep. great player came in. It's not saving Warney. Um, Warney, I really, I love the guy and I enjoy him in all facets of everything he does. But as a commentator... I think he's usually pretty good, but sometimes he can get so boorish on stuff. Um, I yep. that's a hard one, man, because um, I don't I don't hate any of those guys, and I don't love any of them. So I, uh, that's the challenge of the keep, I'll, I'll keep, keep warning in everything, including going out <laughs> um, and having around. Imagine if I put the call out and said Warney's coming to the man cave tonight. I reckon we could get feed up from Sydney even in, in, in two hours. It'd be, be a big night, that one. All right. If I, if I leave now, I will be there as soon as possible. Just like, just yeah. keep things cold. 
Keep the drinks cold. I'll be there soon. <laughs> Will do. Be awesome. Done. Done. Uh, back to you, Pete. We're going to go one that's going to be way out of your comfort zone here, okay? St Kilda, Western Bulldogs, and Essendon. You get to keep one, Ooh, cut one. Okay. And the well, um, from a strategic point of view, I'm going to keep Essendon Bombers around because they have been incredibly friendly towards uh, our Australian blind football team and welcomed us into their facilities. Oh, wow. Um, yep. Likewise, the uh, Kangaroos have also done uh, the similar, but uh, Essendon's given us access to their, um, their indoor facility, which is sensational. So massive, massive fan of them. Um, no worries. That's awesome uh, know, in terms me. of a uh, bit of a cuddle, let's go for uh, Western Bulldogs because, uh, look, quite, quite a fan of um, the Bulldogs themselves. I think that they've got uh, quite a good little setup over there. And uh, purely from the fact that, you know, I grew up in the Bankstown region here in New South Wales and our local NRL team would be the Bulldogs. So, you know what? I'll give the Bulldogs a bit of a, a, a cross-sport um, shout-out. And then in terms of the last one, mate, kicking St Kilda, um, look, I, I don't really have a big reason. It's just purely a process of elimination, I guess. No, I'll kick him. They're trying to get Jack Higgins from us. Oh, how the dare they and, uh, touch Richmond? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> come on, come on. I've got... Hey, they won't give us a first or second round draft pick for a contracted player. I'm going to kick him this week, okay? Um, so, for, there's one final one here. This one's for you, John. All right. These are their national football team for the men. Brazil, Germany, and oh, the this Netherlands. Is so, this is too easy. Um, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep... The Netherlands. Um, now, that's really because you talk about the greatest teams, the greatest producers of great footballers and, and everything that should be right and is right. And football's good when they're good and it's always amazing too when they're really crap and how they implode. Um, but I've always loved watching them. Uh, the jersey always looks great. Um, so many great players and they never won the World Cup and they really should have. You know, I get asked by friends yeah. of mine who don't follow yeah. football and I say, who do you love? You know, I pretty much always have them in my top four. So I'll go with them. I'll keep them. I'll cuddle Germany because I love what they've become Ooh. in the last 10 or 15 years to football. I, I love how, yeah. as a person who followed the Socceroos and England, I, all, my default mechanism was, God, I hate them so much, you know. Um, but I love watching. I, I think they're the perfect football country, um, and I think that you know, in the in the race between, and I'm understanding what I think. I, I, the race between them and Italy and Germany yeah. and Brazil, and lesser parts Argentina and stuff. But in in the race for that, I think that they've pushed themselves in front because of their club comp, the players they put, the way they play, and I firmly believe that if if Buy and stay on top. I'm sure they'll win the next World Cup. And I'm going to kick Brazil. And the reason for that is this. When I was a kid growing up, the team that everybody wanted to love and be around and watch was Brazil. And they loved the players, the stories. Yeah. I would get talked to by my grander in, in, in Newcastle, with Fick Geordie, about they are the team, they're the country, all the rest of it, you know. You know, you've got to follow Brazil, the best in the world, like, you know, blah, 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 and all that. I've never seen many times a group of sports people disappear up their own backsides as highly as Brazil did when they got the Nike deal with their jerseys and all that Joga Benito and all that yeah. crap. And I listened to all their stuff. And one of the happiest nights I've ever had in world football was when they got trounced. They got pantsed on, I think it was at um, Belo Horizonte uh, in the semi final against Germany. And bang, bang, bang in that first mm. half and then six goals and seven and all the rest of it. And it was like, you know what? You couldn't have earned that any – could you imagine even 10 years before that ever saying if Brazil's got a final, a semi-final in Brazil, that they're going to get beat, going to concede seven goals? No. I guess they... it, it, that was one of the most unbelievable – one of the most unbelievable nights ever. That's me. 
Oh, mate, that, that, you just brought up a great memory because that's one of the greatest nights of football ever to, to see a seemingly powerhouse team just be absolutely dismantled. It gives you hope um, for other teams. But it wasn't just anyone, countries. it was so, Germany. Guys, and and it, it was Germany they, as well. They tore, they tore everything about the structure of Brazilian football from top to bottom apart on that one night. And I think it actually did them a favour because they come back strong. They seem to have dropped some of that garbage from there, you know, that 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 divine right to win. And and I don't – look, there's a lot of people who know yeah. a lot about football. That's just my opinion is I used to love them, but I, you know what? I can't stand them. I'd much rather see Argentina beat them in any competition. I don't know why that is. Well, great summary, guys. That was keep, cuddle, <laughs> kick. I'm going to keep throwing that to you guys every week. Uh, and I'll see if I can challenge you each time and you can throw a few So I've got the QA on to me now and knows. anyone of Brazilian heritage coming for me as well. So it's a picture of my Twitter <laughs> handle, man. <laughs> oh, too late. Already done. Um, so really good kind of segue here because um, Pete brought up before about Ronaldo. Um, looks like being traded again. And I still think he's you know, one of the world's great players, but obviously his financial demands and so forth and a lot of other diva things that go along with it. Is he worth going to one of the big clubs again right now for a big deal? Uh, look, uh, yeah, that's a really tough one because obviously you know what you're going to get uh, when you sign a Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, unfortunately, Juventus uh, tried to sign him purely to try and win a Champions League. And as we know uh, how that one played out, but... I guess when you sign one of the best players in the world, they bring a lot of baggage with them. And it's a matter of how you really manage those players and how you really, um, you know, it's how you suck up to them at times and ensure that they're going to get looked after the way that they get looked after. Um, Easiest way to compare would be, think about um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic over at AC Milan. Uh, you know, he's one of the best strikers in the world. He's um, near the end of his career in a way, but still able to be one of the top goal scorers in that competition. And he's just playing sensational football. Um, is he worth every cent? Absolutely. Uh, if a team is willing to be able to pay top dollars for top players, you hope that they're going to be able to perform. But uh, I guess there's not many options left for him in terms of where Ronaldo could no, end up to be able well. to earn the money that he kind of commands. So I guess it, it, it kind of narrows down the options to, you know, could he go to France and go play for Paris Saint-Germain? Could he go back to Spain and play for the, uh, you know, the Real Madrid? Uh, could he go to England where he could get, you know, top dollar at Manchester United and kind of uh, reinvigorate his career? Does he go back to Portugal and uh, try and recreate things at Sporting uh, Lisbon? Like, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of options out there. Wouldn't it be... I would love to see him go back to United. I think it'd be I think it'd be hilarious because United, they, their financial situation is not as good as what we we would have thought a, a, a team like Man United would be. Oh, Sorry, that, that sort of happens because everyone who doesn't know we're all sitting in different places, staring at walls, so you never know who's going to say what. But get going, man. Sorry. No, not at all. I just, you know, I just think that uh, I think what Pete said as well, he is kind of running out of options. If you're building that kind of legacy or whatever he's trying to do, I don't know what he's doing. He's still a well, great footballer. Um, did he actually sign at Juve? Did they sign him to win the Champions League or did they sign no, him? No, no, no. It, it, it was to win the Champions League. It, it was. That's exactly on, how it was yeah, marketed. Yeah. You look the of Juventus, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. They've won, they've won in one year twice, right? Yeah, exactly. So they right. won the Five million times, so they're not. They've never dominated in Europe, whether it was Pierre uh, Del yeah. Piero or Pierre, anyone who played there, and, and they wanted to win. But like my, you know, I'm hot on this all the time. Is that this sh- showdown between the world's two greatest ever players? It's BS to me because they just float around at the top teams with the best talent and this money. And you know, sometimes you, the old story used to be at Liverpool, you could put the the bin, the you know, the bin man at striker, and they'll score. Now I don't buy that, but if you're never out, if you're never yeah. tested, and and the thing that Ronaldo's got for me over Messi is that he's won at international level with players that you can't yes. buy. Yeah, I'd love to see. Him, I'd love to see Wouldn't him you... take a challenge and go. 
the guy that's got to go to a proper manager, just imagine how beautiful it would be if he turned up with Ancelotti at Everton for money because they don't need money. Oh. <laughs> you to take them to the title. Then no, you're changing no. your legs. Now, that would be brilliant. You're bringing a, a really traditional, well-followed team right into the mix. So, in saying that, guys, we're how many games in? Eight games into the EPL, roughly, because some teams have got a game in hand and so forth. And what are you thinking of the season so far? With Besides the crowds, I'm absolutely loving the, all the different kind of variations we're getting week to week. Yeah, exactly right. I guess you, you never know what you're going to get when it comes to the Premier League at the moment. Uh, you, you're going to get some horrific games such as the, the Burnley and West Brom 0-0 draw. You're going to get some sensational games such as, you know, your Leeds United against Liverpool in the opening few rounds of the competition. Um, you, you're going to have games where there's going to be loads of goals scored, uh, such as, you know, Southampton winning with Danny Ying score, uh, finding the back of the net. Um, and, and then you're going to have absolute collapses, such as, you know, Manchester United, who are really struggling at the moment to really find any consistency and momentum. Um, but you can see it on the faces of both the players, the managers, uh, the referees, the staff, really. Um, everyone's kind of tired at the moment. And uh, everyone, you know... Yeah kind of looks like they need two weeks off rather than having an international break where they're about to go travel again, play a whole lot of friendlies, uh, and then come back to full-time training. Um, Everyone just looks like they need a break, and it's kind of scary that everyone looks that way when we're so soon into the season. Well, I thought it was an amazing microcosm. What about the time? That's a really good point. Sorry, again, Paul. No, go. It was a really interesting microcosm the other night, our game against Southampton. Now, the options were that we could actually find our way into the top four or Southampton, unbelievably, could go top of the league, first time they've ever done it. And everything was on the table. We played poorly, but, you know, it's that kind of year. So we don't win. So we find ourselves back down, you know, 13 or 12 or 13. It's not a disaster because I'm pretty sure that we're – I don't think we're in any kind of danger. The bottom three was atrocious. But – you know, that it was just an amazing game. They were playing for top spot. Yeah. And then you've got Leicester up there doing brilliantly still. Um, you know, obviously um, Liverpool right there again. And so many injuries. I mean, lucky they've got a fairly decent-sized squad because Liverpool's injuries is, are as big as anyone yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Years. Liverpool's, um, you know, they're, they're not struggling, but uh, trying to find the right balance at the moment seems to be a really tough job for you, Jurgen Klopp, and you saw that in probably the second half against Manchester City, um, where, where it was quite lethargic. I'm on the podcast. We're keeping that in. Oh, well done, John. Um, it was a bit exciting with the birds in the background before, and now we know what's going on at home. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Uh, that's a good. So, as as we were saying, Liverpool are really trying to find that balance. Um, one person who's probably got the most success, actually two people have got the most success out of uh, Liverpool's injury woes at the moment. Um, first up is Jernan Shakiri, who hadn't played a whole lot of football last season mm. uh, in the Premiership winning year, but he knew that kind of time was coming. The wind of opportunity was going to be there in, in time. He had offers to go back to the Bundesliga and chose to not take those offers and instead to stay in Liverpool, fight things out. And he's really finding some good patches of form. And then obviously you've got a new recruit uh, who's come across from Wolves is Diego Jota. Um, he's been able to find a great run of yeah. form. Um, I believe he's up to 11 goals already this season. Uh, Diego was quite upset with the fact that his FIFA 21 stats hadn't changed since FIFA 20. Uh, so uh, apparently he was a bit annoyed about that one. Um, so right. EA Sports, uh, you know, get your stuff together. I'm, uh, I've got to say that there's been a lot of talk about uh, Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Pete, you were you were singing his praises. Um, they looked very tight against my. They look robotic. They look so robotic. Oh, it's like a joystick mm. coach. He's telling the players exactly where to go and what to do at what moments, and it's it's just so static. And the best thing is, obviously, Villa were just toying with them, and I'm sure that you would have been celebrating like crazy, but. How good is that Jack Realist Ross Barkley combination? Oh, wow. 
We've been bagging Grealish going to ground too much, and it's true. But one of the goals that we scored on the weekend, a few weeks ago, I reckon he would have fallen. He, he took a tackle, and I reckon he would have played for the free kick a few weeks ago. And um, he, he stayed on his feet, got the ball through, and Ollie Watkins scores um, one of his two goals. And, and that's what we want from Grealish. England want that from Grealish. Get him in the team. Don't go to ground all the time. He's too good for that. His close ball control is one of the best I've ever seen for an England player. And, John, I don't know as much about the England game as you, um, but I, I, I reckon he could certainly offer a different dynamic to the English football team. Oh, well, I mean, Sean and I, I think, have basically been waiting for him to come on and be that guy. He's got a huge... He's got a lot to mm. give. Um, he's in dynamic form. Um, come with the hour, come with the man. Why not? Well, the other thing is uh, Manchester United today have announced that they're going to try and re-sign him in January. Um, we had an $80 million price tag on him, basically saying he's not going anywhere. We've signed him for five years. What do you reckon uh, Manchester United would have to pay now? Remembering that Aston Villa actually have really rich owners and probably have more money at the moment in financial fair play. If we'd have gone down, we wouldn't have. But staying up, we've actually got a ton of money. What do you reckon they'd have to offer Villa? Well, they've got to be offering top dollar. And the thing is, once you start offering silly money, then you have to really question, does that mean that someone from uh, United's going to end up going? Um, I guess, you know, we've seen recently that Paul Pogba has been, uh, you know, not so much offered elsewhere, but it's been suggested that he could move on because he's not really fulfilled the potential of his price tag. Um, does that mean that Jack Grealish instantly picks up his salary? And uh, look, it, it could happen. I'm not expecting it to happen. I, to be blunt, I feel like if Grealish was going to move, it was going to happen last transfer window. Um, I think that for now, based on seeing the way that he's linking up with Barkley, the way that he's linking up with, uh, with Ollie up front, the way that Dean Smith has this team playing at the moment, I personally don't expect uh, Jack Grealish to be going anywhere. There is a point, though, that every owner this, would have the money because I remember when Sorry. Andy Carroll got sold for... Now, our owner's not like yours, right? But £30 million pounds yeah. to to um, to Liverpool. But I, would, I just want to ask a question of you two, uh, both fine judges. Like, where's Pob, Pogba at? Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he pretty much cost Mourinho his job. And and he hasn't... He really hasn't... He's, mm-hmm. he's going to cost Solskjaer his job. Uh, and then where does he go? Does he go back to France or Italy, or what's he do? I, I, look, I, I don't watch as much as him as probably you guys do. I think at his best, and we all know this, he's as good as anyone out there. He just, and I could be wrong here, I don't know his mindset. He just doesn't seem interested some games. So one game, he looks like he could do anything, and you go, oh, that's why they've got him. And then for two or three games in a row, he barely chases. Now, I could be wrong in saying that, and I'm happy for United fans to tell me I'm wrong, but that's what I see when I watch him. Good for one he game. He it an out, and that was kind of the, like the, the story with France at the last World Cup, wasn't it, with Mbappe and those guys? They all seem to have that kind of, yeah. if you like, that laconic sort of approach to the game. But, gee, I mean, he's cost a lot of people their jobs. This yeah. could what be, think, uh, in a way, a start of the, the merry-go-round, in a way. If uh, if Cristiano Ronaldo leaves Juventus, then Juventus could be in for Pogba. Um, if, you know, Pogba leaves, then that could be the window of opportunity for someone at United to really come in and pay top dollar. Um, yeah, this, this could be a, a really interesting kind of chain of events that, you know, if the stars all align, then this could be a really interesting next transfer window. Um, the, the January transfer window is generally used for teams to plug gaps. Uh, it's not really a, a transfer window for strategic long terms. It's basically, we've got an issue, we need a fella, let's pick someone instantly. And you're going to pay top dollar for players uh, in January. Um, so that's what that's why most teams are, yeah, are happy to over. wait until, yeah. you know, the, June, July, August to really cement their transfers. Uh, so this could be an opportunity to kind of play the long game and uh, wait and see, you know, close to the middle of next year um, where everyone ends up. But uh, between basically now and June, 
that, that's when your agents are going to be going in overdrive to really um, find out what clubs need, um, what players want, what fans kind of uh, need, and then ensuring that, you know, their players are kept happy. Would it, wouldn't it, is there any chance at all, I'm asking both of you this, is there any chance at all we see no. Ronaldo and Messi in Manchester? Not for United. There's no chance that Messi will still go to I'm City not expecting and Ronaldo's that at the moment, United. especially after the Barcelona president uh, quit a few weeks ago. Um, there, there's plenty of mess off yes. the field um, for Barcelona, but I don't expect Messi to leave at the moment. Um, I expect him to kind of be a bit more patient and wait and see what happens uh, in terms of people up in the office. Uh, obviously, uh, with Kuman at the charge of Barcelona, it's more of that short-term plug gap. And I feel like Messi's going to be waiting around to kind of see what happens next. Um, yeah. I ne- never thought I'd say this, guys. I'm so bored of Messi. I just wish he'd go and make a move to a mid-range club and bring them up and really show us what we've got. You're using but, my... You know, it's his well, life, I think, I I've been saying that for um, years now. We, I, I'm totally agreeing, mate. I just... I've got to no, the point where I actually boring. don't really care what he does. And uh, I, I, I'm not enjoying Spanish football at the moment. I love all different um, leagues, but I'm struggling to watch anything from France. I'm struggling to watch anything from Spain whatsoever. Loving the Bundesliga. Uh, Serie A is really uh, interesting at the moment. And obviously, you know, my primary is the uh, Premier League. So, you know, I just want to go back many, many minutes before, if that's okay with you guys. And you brought up Ibra. Now, Ibra was playing in the MLS for a couple of years and just shows the kind of, the journeyman he is, wherever he goes, he try, he scores. And, 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 and that's the difference between Ibra and Pogba. Because I don't know if Pogba goes to Newcastle, for example, Ibrahim. John, and scores for you. He could score 30 or He'd no. He'd be a no, god. Ibra would score for you yeah. in a heartbeat. Ibra would score mm. for anyone. <laughs> He'd score for anyone. But Pogba goes to Newcastle, gets a big contract. You may get nothing out of him. And that's the difference between Pogba and Ibra to me, not just the skill set, but the mindset as well. I think Ibra would score playing for um, Rochdale Rovers. He'd, he'd, he'd want to score sometimes for Sometimes if you want a great in, player, in though, you have to, you, sometimes you have to wait for a player to be... And I'm question marking Pogba's um, performances at Man United, but you've got to believe I'd give him a chance at our joint because he's better than anyone we've got. But, um, oh, for I'd, sure. you know, you just never know. A special coach can unlock those kind of things. And obviously Mourinho. I think Mourinho any day without coach Solskjaer. And uh, and I'm not going to change that, that point yeah. of view. I can't believe Solskjaer got his job. Do you know? Do you know who I, I mean? This is really sideways. Wouldn't you love to see a certain ex-Aussie manager who's managing in Japan? Wouldn't you love to see him in the APL? Yeah, it, it would be. Um, it's obviously um, who's going to be brave enough to really give the likes of Antipostokoglu the opportunity, um, and then. He really needs to cement his backroom stuff. Obviously, um, we saw the fact that Peter Klamovsky didn't have the best time at uh, Shimizu Espos uh, and actually uh, resigned at the end of the season. So, you know, if Ange sorted out his backroom stuff, ensured that everyone knew exactly what their roles were, um, he would have the window of opportunity. But it, it comes down to, you know, who's going to give him the chance? Um, and, you know... You'd have to get through really the cl- Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But wouldn't awesome. you love to see that kind of challenge where he goes to the championship, brings a team up? It's kind of one of my dream scenarios to see Ange do that in England because I honestly think... He's one of the most uh, underrated football a, managers coaches right? in the world. And I really you do. Know, you know how biased I am? Go and pick up one of the biggest clubs in Europe who's down and out and has pretty much almost, you know, a patient on a defibrillator in the emergency ward and go and put them in the championship and then take them to the league and do it. Oh, did you miss that? Sorry, Johnny, just dropping out really a little bit, mate. Um, I believe so, so good, mate, the, the dogs Sorry. are having a great conversation there. So, not, uh, I, I, 
go and pick up Sunderland and make them relevant. Pick them up from oh nowhere. Gosh, that that would be a mission and a half. Good gosh, that'd be a mission. I don't think too many people would go to Sunderland and try and save them at the moment. Um, yeah, but you know that, that's kind of the cursed job. Properly, one uh, one of the bigger clubs in Europe, and then Nowhereville. That, that, Spot that, on. Well, let's uh, let's start a hash. Let's start a hashtag, guys. Ronaldo for uh, Ronaldo for Sunderland or Messi for Sunderland. No, let's, no let's I'm talking about Andrew. Right. See how far it goes. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I know you were, but I'm well, also right, talking about getting one of those players. Imagine, anyway, imagine a Ronaldo. Imagine a Ronaldo going bugger it. I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go to a lower league club and bring him. That'd up be and, awesome. Oh, come on, Angie, come along with it. That'd be awesome. love it guys nfl it's really bringing up some brilliant games at the moment and teams that are written off a few weeks ago in a short season the saints people wrote those them off a few weeks ago starting to play some great football tom brady and his team having a lot of miscommunication um any thoughts on the nfl at the moment Pete, you got not, from me, not from me to be blunt um <laughs> I, I don't really follow the NFL too uh, too much, to be fair, as you guys would probably have guessed. So uh, I, I rely on my NFL fix uh, from your conversation. Didn't so, we give uh, you a yeah, fill me in. Did you end up picking a team? Oh, I'm still waiting to uh, work out who to go with. We're going to get Peter team. Anyway, um, Paul, my Super Bowl tip is in the bin. That's the Cowboys, I think we said at our preseason event. Um, they played better this weekend um, in a big game, in a big spot against the uh, Steelers, but uh, they didn't win, so they suck. Um, yeah. In America, you're either everything or nothing in every sport. Uh, I think at the moment, um, the biggest game of the yeah. weekend was definitely the Saints and the Buccaneers. The Saints have been around the mark for the last three or four seasons, um, and I thought they showed their class on both sides of the ball against the Buccaneers, who was the sexy pick, and everyone penciled them into the Super Bowl three weeks ago after they beat the Packers. I actually still would back my Packers to come back and, and take the Bucks in a, in a playoff. So I don't mind losing yeah. some regular season games. I think it shows you what you've got to improve on. I think the most – definitely I've been loving the AFC this year and, and AFC North with um, – the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns been relevant, but I got to say, yeah, what an unbelievable, what an unbelievable, uh, uh, yeah. You know, and you got the Raiders are being good, um, relevant yeah. again, and the Chiefs are just unbelievable. Chargers losing games every week that no one should ever lose, and they find a way to do it. But for me, Paul, I thought that the Dolphins game at the weekend against the Cardinals was one of the best games of NFL I've watched for years. I watched the whole game. I really thought it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Not, probably I can more imagine, but it's good to it see that. Uh, especially, <laughs> I think it's great for NFL for Miami to be good again because they've got so many fans. Um, and, you know, it's good to be in the mix. So fantastic. I, I'm enjoying tour. I think it looks like he's got a lot to bring. And, like, no one really cares what I think. But um, I think you, you're a chance of a playoff. I think you're nowhere near winning the AFC. Um I don't even think you're the best team in your division because no, I'm no. sure Buffalo is... Couldn't believe the Buffalo result against the Seahawks, man. Did you pick that? Oh, I, I thought it was going to be close because I've seen a lot of the Bills, obviously, being a fan uh, of the AFC East. Uh, I did pick that it would be pretty close. And, you know, I think I think a couple of things about the Seahawks was exposed. So... It wasn't as a long way from the Legion of Boom. And I would say this to Pete if you're looking for a team to get on, Pete, and you want to get on a team that's a rank outsider, hasn't won, hasn't, hasn't won their division now since the 1990s when they went to four Super Bowls in a row and got beaten every one. Um, 
go and make a team of yeah. the Buffalo Bills because, one, they've got a super cool name. They've got an awesome jersey and outfit. They've got some of the best fans in America. They play in snow and and their fans get drunk and take their shirts off at minus 20 and jump through tables. <laughs> uh, I'm sold already. I'm sold. That's it. Well, I want to throw – if I could throw one into the uh, pack – because that would mean that you'd be going up against me every week, Pete. And uh, I want to throw one back um, to make it a bit uncomfortable for for John, of course. Um, I think you should follow the Detroit Lions. They come from a, a dirty, dirty town. They've got pretty cool uniforms. They've got fantastic supporters. And they just don't know how to win. Um, so can, can we... Yeah, but they're doing the perennial the, thing uh, and they're fucking hugely on the back of a tailpipe. So... You know, um, if Pete wants to go and join the Detroit Lions and be just in a 80-year losing streak, go for it. But, dude, the Bills are on an upswing. And you get to hassle Paul out. It'll be fun. Do you know what's going to be amazing about the next few years uh, about the AFC East? You can absolutely see the changing of the guard for the first time in decades. You can see the, the Dolphins and the Bills, who were really big in the 80s you can, and, and early 90s. You can see them being challenging each the, other again year after year. I think and that's actually Lawrence exciting. And then everything's going to change. Yes, but uh, whilst they might get Trevor Lawrence, they've got a hell of a lot of other holes to fill. And I know you can build a team around a quarterback, but, geez, that is one of the most inept I can't even. I don't it's want a bad to organisation. I'm going to use it. They do suck, but um, our our friend um, on the podcast, Sean, is a Jets fan. So actually, that'd be cool. You in the cool uniforms as well. The Jets cool uniforms yeah, as well. Awesome outfits. I love the best thing about the NFL so is the go, fact Peter, that the jersey rarely ever change, and you can go back and look at footage from 1970. It looks the same as today. And they don't put sponsors on the jerseys. It's like, oh my god, that looks so clean. It's like, give me that. I got my um, FA Cup Newcastle jersey hanging in front of me, and it's the only jersey in the rack that doesn't have something spread all over the middle. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, and that's that's something you're seeing in all sports. I can't stand what's happening to the NRL and AFL jerseys and everything like. How many sponsors can you fit on one shirt? It looks like a uh, NASCAR. Yeah. Have you ever seen a NASCAR? It you does, know? you're right. 743 sponsors. So, oh, look, I'm just loving the NFL this year. I'm loving the challenges um, that it's representing. Um, I don't feel sorry for the Cowboys. I feel sorry for the injured players in the Cowboys. But my God, we used to be called the AFC least because it was only one team in it. But the NFC now has that title with the NFC least. Because Eagles were on top with three wins after eight games. That is a horrendous, horrendous... Uh, I love, I love the phrase time. they I'm have for in America, and they call that division a dumpster fire. And it is absolute trash. It absolutely is. So... You've got a team on top there, Pete, to say, you know, three wins, four losses, and a draw are a chance to go into the playoffs and get a home Like, go Bills. There you go. Go Bills. You're good on you. <laughs> okay, so we've officially got Pete on it. And I'll tell you what, Pete, if you ever get a chance, please the go and watch the ESPN. What is it? The, is it the four? What's it called? The four set? You've got to watch it, Pete. It, it, it is heartbreaking and to watch them go through. Some of the Just most watch it. Watch it for us. Documentary that's ever been made. I think I put it down. In, when we did the top five, I put it down as my number one, didn't I? So, amazing. Yeah, you, I think so, yeah. yeah. It made me, uh, I've got to admit, I teared up just knowing the heartbreak that those guys were going through. Guys, I'm going to throw it open to you. Anything else in the world of sport that's grabbed your Quite exciting this on week? the local front. Um, the A-League and the W-League have unbundled from the FFA. And uh, he could see, you know, slightly more yes. independence and uh, a window of opportunity for the A-League and the W-League to, to really bump up their marketing campaigns, to really try and hit the masses um, in a, you know, in a way that not really been advertised in the last few seasons and hopefully can make the competition a bit more exciting. Um, 
you know, I personally haven't actually renewed my membership with uh, with Sydney FC, and at the moment I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to because you know the, the competition has grown stale, and uh, really looking forward to seeing what really pumps up over the uh, the next few weeks um, for the A League and the W League. Obviously, it all kicks off in uh, about six weeks' time from now, um, and we did also have. Uh, some news yesterday that Wellington Phoenix had put in a bid for the W League to be able to enter into the competition as early as this year. Um, so yeah, they were so confident of that bid uh, that they'd even booked in some press conferences for this Thursday, uh, only to be told on Tuesday afternoon that, uh, that the FFA were not budging in terms of New Zealand players being considered internationals in the W League competition and uh, instead would be blocking that uh, that idea. So uh, no Phoenix in the 2020 and 21 W League season. We've had uh, exciting news in Queensland. Had a lot of like Emily, uh, Emily Gilnick coming back and, and uh, Tamika Yellop and so forth re-signing. So from a W League perspective, um, really, really great to see a lot of the, the, the top-line players coming back to us. Um, John, I had my stepson uh, today. I was really excited. He mm. asked me, "Are we going to get a raw membership? I want to go to the raw." Now, this this guy's not a he's a I love him to bits, but he's not a real sporting guy, and he just wants to go because he loves the atmosphere. He loves the chance, and that's how I fell in love with sports. So he asked me today. So that's a I di- I didn't say anything to him, and he said, "Are we getting a uh, an A League membership?" And I am. I'm buying a family one. Now, hear this out. I used to pay almost $400 a year for yeah. my Raw membership for one ticket, right? I'm, pay- I'm paying just over $500 yeah, a year. Yeah, well, you make up for that people. Whole year. No doubt in the world, but I'm, I know what they're doing. But you've got to admit, as far as a, as a membership going, that's $600. It is good to read clip for all the luck to six people. It's a long way from- <laughs> so it is it is and, and look it has caused a lot of uh, consternation amongst fans so it'll be very interesting to see what happens there uh john you've got the final right. word on the podcast tonight mate a couple what's, of things that caught my eye this week one is um uh well two are wallabies related the first one is um you know incredible how some people get jobs and then get given other jobs regardless of what they do. And I think Raylene Castle picking up the highest profile sports executive job in New Zealand, apart from the All Blacks, just blew my mind. Um, and I mm. won't say why, but I'll leave it out there for anyone to work out what I think. Um, secondly, uh, the Wallabies. Australian rugby, sometimes organisations make decisions. You just scratch your head now. I'm all for doing deals with TV companies, but I'm going to bury um, Rugby Union on Stan. I thought they were talking about South Park. Yeah. Now, you know, I was like, you want to find a least relevant place to put your sport? I love rugby. I won't be getting Stan. And that means, you know what, I'll, I'll follow the results on the radio and keep coaching my teams, which, by the way, are the state champions. So I'll throw that out there. We won that, which was awesome, with our open girls Woo-hoo. and our 15 boys. And finally, I just want to um, acknowledge and thank um, all the amazingly brave men and women who serve in our armed forces um, and have done so over 100 years in Australia, but also on a special note as well for my family who served in the British Armed Forces. And on Remembrance Day, remember all of their sacrifice and the things that they've done that enable us to sit here and talk about meaningless stuff like world sports. So thank you to all of those people. Uh, I don't think we could uh, end on any better note than that. Um, boys, it's been a pleasure. And uh, lest we forget those sacrifices, um, we will catch you next week on the World Sport Podcast. Thanks, Thanks for joining, boys. That's the sound of a ball rolling after it's come off the water, heading towards the hole in Masters practice. And yeah, it's in. 
Please, guys, get a chance. Go on the Guardian website or anywhere else on YouTube. Um, unbelievable shot. It skims across the water and in. John Rahm hits the most amazing shots. So we'll post it up on uh, Love Sport uh, on Twitter and Facebook. And please, you get a chance. Look at John Rahm hitting an amazing water shot at uh, Masters practice. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Love Sport podcast. You can get us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get me, your host, Paul, at Paul underscore football. Pete Novikowski on Twitter at Pete Novikowski. And also John. And John's at Lambic Peach. We are the Love Sport Podcast.